Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to the August 2011 CTSS quiz. Here are 10 terrific cases, and let's see how you did. This first case is an interesting case. This is a patient with chest pain who had a recent uh, aortic root repair. And what I want you to look at here is look at the axial images. Look at about 7 o'clock. You can see that outpouching coming off the aorta. And you can see it very nicely in sort of that oblique view on the 3D imaging. And this is a classic appearance of a pseudoaneurysm. It's one of the complications of aortic root surgery. Typically occurs near the anastomosis. Uh, uh, this can rupture, patients can exsanguinate. So it's a very, very important. Um, what you'll have to do is go in and do surgery on these patients to repair the pseudoaneurysm. And of course, it's not a normal postoperative CTA. There's no active extravasation, though it is bulging. It's a pseudoaneurysm, and it's not off the coronary artery. So the best answer is a pseudoaneurysm. This is a great case. Look at the patient's heart. The heart is large, but look at the size of the patient's right atrium. Uh, everything is large. Look at the asymmetry of the heart. There's a small pericardial effusion. And I asked you what the best diagnosis is. And this is basically a classic appearance of Epstein's anomaly. Just a very nice example. It's not a complex ASD or VSD or, or a right ventricular outflow tract obstruction. It's classic Epstein's anomaly. As for Epstein's anomaly, or it goes by the name of Epstein's malformation, it's a rare heart defect in which parts of the tricuspid valves are abnormal. Um, the, con the condition is congenital, present from birth, and often patients will present early. Or, uh, in children, the symptoms may include cough, failure to grow, fatigue, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, and a fast heart rate. In fact, this patient presented with um, fatigue and shortness of breath. In fact, the initial presentation they thought was a pulmonary embolism. So um, again, something to be aware of, but this is just a very classic appearance. Very, very nice case. Okay, next, next case is going to be a, a really terrific example, and um, it's an interesting case, and I asked you a couple of questions. I asked you what the best diagnosis in this patient was for this incidental adrenal mass. So when you look at it carefully, it's probably the best example I've seen of a fatty tumor. And there's no if, ands, or buts. This is fat, four to five centimeters in size. It's a classic um, adrenal myelolipoma. It's not a pheochromocytoma. Those are higher density. Primary adrenal carcinomas can contain fat, but they're not all fat. And lymphoma is solid. Just a beautiful example of a myelolipoma. This is a nice case, and I asked you what the best diagnosis is. The patient has hepatitis B. Hepatitis B, you're doing CT worrying about hepatoma. You look at this case, the patient has cirrhosis, portal hypertension, and ascites. And what you see very nicely in the right lobe of the liver on arterial phase imaging is approximately one centimeter hypervascular lesion, which becomes isodense. Yes, this could be a regenerating nodule, but this sure looks like a hepatoma. Until proven otherwise, this is a hepatoma, and it was biopsied, it was hepatoma. So again, key thing, cirrhotic liver, hypervascular lesion quickly becomes isodense. You better be thinking rege not regenerating nodule, you better be thinking about hepatoma. Regenerating nodules can look similar to hepatomas. They're often multiple. They can be higher density and non-contrast CT. They don't typically become isodense as quickly or as nicely as hepatomas do. It's just a very, very nice case. 
this is a terrific case, and I asked you what the least likely diagnosis is. There's a submucosal mass in the stomach, it's low density, and so there's a range of differential diagnosis. And the least likely is carcinoid. And the reason that's the case is carcinoids are typically hypervascular. And you could describe this in many ways, but hypervascular is not one of them. In fact, this patient had neurofibromatosis, and this ended up being a neurofibroma. It could have been a lyomyoma, could have been a gist tumor, but the one thing it's not is a carcinoid tumor. I think I've shown you several carcinoids. They're very, very vascular in the stomach. This is a great case, and... Um, What's the best diagnosis regarding the spleen? And what you can see is if you look at the axial images, you see multiple spleens. And so the patient has multiple splenules. Now it could be due to trauma, but what you also see here is look at the size of the azagus. Now, unfortunately, I don't give you a whole lot of abdominal CTs, but if you go back to the first axial image, you don't see the IVC. So no, this was not due to prior splenic trauma and it's not extramedullary hematopoiesis, and it's not lymphoma. What it is is azagous continuation of an interrupted IVC, which is why it's so large, and now you see multiple splenules, and they go in a syndrome together. So just a very, very nice example of that. This next case is a great example. A 45-year-old with weight loss, what's the best diagnosis? And this is a tricky case in some sense. The obvious diagnosis is chronic pancreatitis. There's extensive pancreatic calcification. But you see in the body there's a hypodense zone. Now maybe it's acute pancreatitis superimposed on chronic pancreatitis, but this is one of the most difficult diagnoses to me. You see this low density, but the calcifications aren't aren't there. And so it looks a little bit different than the rest of the gland. And so this was a carcinoma, and we called it a carcinoma. We worried about a carcinoma. First biopsy was indeterminant. But there's a 5% overlap with cancer and chronic pancreatitis in the same patient. And if you see an area where the calcification isn't and everywhere else there is, you better be thinking about that possibility. And again, it's a tough diagnosis. The patient has abdominal pain. You typically will write that off as chronic pancreatitis, but just a very, very nice example. So C is going to be your answer. Now this is a wonderful case. If you look quickly, you kind of don't see what's happening, but if you look at the axial imaging, there's a big mass in the middle mediastinum that's vascular, and you see it very nicely on the 3D. What gives you vascular masses? Well, one possibility is Castleman's disease, but I didn't give you Castleman's as a choice. Lymphoma can be somewhat vascular, but not this vascular. Small cell lung cancer can give you mediastinal masses, hyaline nodes, but it's not vascular. And ectopic parathyroid tissue is vascular, but it's not this large. So this is a great example of a middle mediastinal paraganglioma. It can occur anywhere in the, in the mediastinum, but the middle is a very good choice. We've seen them in the hyla regions, but when you're seeing vascular lesions, you better think about paraganglioma. Just a wonderful, wonderful example. Now this case is a pretty easy one. But I thought I'd show you this because what you're seeing is a huge aneurysm. This is the largest splenic artery aneurysm I've ever seen. This is the one that will rupture. So this patient was going to go for surgery. We weren't even going to embolize. It's not a varix. It almost looks like an neuroendocrine tumor, except that you can see on the CTA, it's coming off the splenic artery, and it's not vascular noise. I'm not sure what vascular noise is, but I needed a fourth choice. So best example I've seen, so I just had to show it to you, of a splenic artery aneurysm. 
This is a wonderful case. This is a patient who we were screening for coronary artery disease. Agonism score is zero, and yet you can see the significant narrowing, greater than 50% in the proximal LAD. This is a very important thing why Agonism scores have their limitations, particularly in African Americans. It's very common in patients to have a low score or a zero score, yet have significant coronary artery disease. So especially in African Americans, you better be very careful that if you have an Agonism score of zero, if you really want to look at the coronary arteries, you better do a coronary CTA. And this is very nicely shown in this example. Now some of the patients we do also have been using drugs like uh, uh, and so you worry about a vasculitis. Cocaine can give you a vasculitis. You may not see thickening of the vessel wall. You may see irregularity or spasm. That's another possibility. But this is a wonderful example of a critical stenosis with non-calcified plaque in the LED. So those are 10 terrific cases, and hopefully you got them all right. And if you didn't get them all right, hopefully you learned something. And if not, we'll see you next month. Have a great day.